Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza, with Grace of Her. Today, I have a representative, B. Piper, from ECP. That is the English Collectives of Prostitutes in the UK. Hello, B. Welcome to this show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Kindly introduce yourself and uh, your position in the organisation and what you do. So, um, yeah, my name's B Piper and I've been part of the ECP for about three years now. And um, since the ECP is uh, a self-help organisation, there's there's not a very um, definite hierarchy. So I've just done all sorts of volunteering jobs and different kinds of work within the ECP for quite a while now. Um, so that includes campaigning, uh, lobbying MPs, um, working on cases uh, against sex workers being prosecuted, um, which often happens for, um, we often get prosecuted for brothel keeping laws, when in fact that just means brothel keeping can just be two women working together for safety um and yeah recently we've seen a big increase in calls to our helpline that are about essentially just not being able to make ends meet about the cost of living crisis uh and also after covid a lot of sex workers went online so we've also seen a lot more um online stalking cases um but i'm getting a bit ahead of myself that i should introduce the um ECP. So we are a network of sex workers and allies working both indoors and outdoors across the UK. And we're a self-help group like the other groups in the um, Crossroads Women's Centre. And that means that um, we might sometimes work with lawyers or politicians, um, but we we always uh, are in control basically of, of um, the work that we do. And yeah, we, we help each other out basically. We started off in 1975 and we were at that point inspired by the French sex workers movement, which had occupied a church and we did the same. And currently we have um, connections all over the world. So with the US Prostitutes Collective in the US, and empower in Thailand as well. You spoke about um, a new protest going on in Newham. Can you um, shed more light on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a few um, few campaigns going on at the moment. The one in Newham is that we're opposing a public space protection order, and that's that would displace women who some of those women are in our group into more isolated areas and into greater danger. And it criminalizes women for basically just trying to make a living as sex workers. And it's also really dangerous because it expands police powers. And we've seen recently that there's so much evidence of police misogyny and racism and criminality. So it just seems like the worst way to address that problem, which is essentially the problem is, you know, women um trying to trying to make a living in this in the climate of you know the cost of living crisis and um increased criminalization and so it's just the total wrong way to go about 
trying to improve that situation. Um, we also have an ongoing campaign, which is the Make All Women Safe campaign, which highlights the fact that it's the law which makes it illegal for women to work together. Um, and obviously working together is one of the main safety strategies that women use. Um, and so criminalizing that practice forces women to choose between safety or the risk of arrest and a criminal record. Um, so we're demanding that the government implement the Home Affairs Committee recommendation to decriminalize sex work um, on the street and also in premises. So what will be the ideal legal status of being a sex worker in terms of protecting women from abuse, violence, diseases, anguish or mental health issues? Yeah, this is a good question. So um, we campaign for full decriminalisation and that's because with full decriminalisation, sex workers have more power <clears throat> and that's more power to um, refuse clients or to uh, set their own terms with clients. They have more power to go to the police because they know they won't be arrested or ignored or uh, patronised, which very often happens. Um, and they'll have um, more safety, so they'll be able to choose, you know, when they want to work, where they want to work, you know, if they want to keep their money. And if you're in a, a dangerous living situation and you're doing sex work, it will be highly likely that that money will be a way for you to escape that situation. So by doing, by criminalizing sex work, what you're doing is making it harder for sex workers to make the same amount of money because you're reducing the number of clients and you're, um, yeah, you're just making it all around more, more difficult for sex work. And because of that, you're making it harder for women to leave dangerous situations. That's why we campaigned for decriminalization because it puts more power um, into sex workers' hands and also the power to, to leave the sex industry if that's what they decide to do as well. Okay. So what is the police position on sex work in terms of the law? I think you answered quite a, a bit of it. Yeah, so um, sex work itself isn't decriminalised, but everything around it is criminalised. So soliciting um, any adverts and also um, anything that the police consider um, controlling prostitution or basically if you, if you drive a sex worker to a session or if you help a sex worker write an advert, or if you um, take money from a sex worker to do either of those things, you know, to, to be a driver or, or security, for example, all of those things mean that um, you might get criminalised. So, for example, currently in, um, in our group, we've got one woman who uh, was helping a friend who didn't have um, such good English to write an advert. And because of that, she's she's now under criminal investigation by the police. So it's um, these laws which uh, often the police and politicians say that they're there to protect us as sex workers, but actually they're, they're making sex workers' lives much harder and more dangerous as well. If women get together, like you said earlier on, in a place for safety, it constitutes a brutal 
Yeah. It's breaking the law. And what should the law be changed to in order to protect these women? You're right. Two women, both doing sex work together and working together in the same place is considered a brothel. And um, we often have women in our group getting um, prosecuted or arrested for brothel keeping in exactly these circumstances. Um, and it's obviously really dangerous because it means that then sex workers have to choose between safety, like working together with someone for safety, or and then and then they might get arrested and prosecuted. Um, so that's why we campaign for decriminalization, because by removing those laws, you're allowing sex workers work, to work together for safety. And we're campaigning for the removal of all laws around sex work, because sex work, if it's just treated as a job, then any um, corruption, any um, exploitation can be prosecuted under labour laws like any other job. So if you have yeah, an exploitative boss or um, a client um, who turns violent, then you have you already have laws for that you have for any other any other job. And what happens when you have extra laws just for sex work is those laws get used against sex workers more often than not, which is why we campaign for decriminalization. Okay. So what is your personal take on the morality issue as regards working as a sex worker? For anyone who's thinking in terms of morality, I would say that you're you're entitled to have whatever feelings you have about sex work. But I would ask that you don't let those feelings get in the way of someone else's um, safety. Because if someone if someone feels, you know, that their their morality, that they, they don't like sex work, but then they go ahead and they use those opinions or those feelings to um, campaign for more criminalization, then they're putting women in danger. They're putting sex workers of all genders in danger. And regardless of what someone's feelings are or what someone's opinions are on the morality of sex work, it's, it's not okay to put women in danger because of your opinion of morality. And the other thing I'd say is that a lot of the problems that sex workers face is because of stigma from people who um, who have an opinion about what sex, whether sex work is degrading or not. Um, and, you know, a lot of women in our group, a lot of sex workers are mothers. And the last thing they need is, you know, someone having an opinion of them because of the work they do. Yeah, does that answer your question? Um, because there uh, are um, different views in relation to sex work. People say, why should a woman sell her body for money? It's against the uh, Christian or Muslim ethics, uh, religious ethics, and uh, morally it is not right. And that was why I asked the question. Mm. You know, I did talk about uh, seeing sex uh, work as a form of enslavement uh, in, I see it as a form of enslavement because according to my Christian beliefs you know it is wrong for a man especially a married man to seek the services of a sex uh, worker 
And then on the other hand, I see it as a form of enslavement and the, in, in the sense that some of these uh, trafficked women come in as sex workers and they have to pay their madams who brought them to, to the country, either the UK, US or Europe, a huge amount of money. And we've seen cases, especially uh, in, in maybe Africa, or, or okay, let me not say Africa. We've seen cases whereby the madams have been very brutal to such sex workers, either because they have to swear an oath and they die uh, a horrendous death, or they are beating blue and black or traumatized by, you know, some things that their madams do to them because they have to pay this money. What, what are your views on this? I think you're absolutely right that that kind of situation is, is awful and that that shouldn't happen to anyone. And it is awful that it does happen. Um, and what, what, I, what it makes me think in situations like that is who has the power? Because it's clearly not those women who have the power. And if we can change their situation and change who has the power in that situation, then maybe they'll decide not to become sex workers or maybe they would still migrate and do sex work, but they would do it on their terms. And if anyone even hinted that they might be trying to control them or um, be violent towards them, if they had that power, then they'd be able to say absolutely not but it's because of the the current system that we have that women don't have that power so for me that is that's what's at the root of this problem in terms of your views as a christian you know you're you're entitled to your views as a christian i know other christians who don't have a problem with sex work and i know non-christians who do have a problem with sex work but again like i said at the start I think more important than anyone's opinions or feelings is the safety of sex workers in, in the industry. And we campaign to make sex workers safe, safer and to um, get sex workers the resources they need to leave the sex industry if that's what they want to do. And I think that should always come before what, what anyone's opinions of the nature of sex workers are sex work is is to um make sure that safe that sex workers are safe at work just like anyone else and have the same labor rights uh that leads me to the next question does sex work dehumanize the act of love making between a couple since there is no intimacy no romance no love no compassion or sometimes no foreplay before they have sex well, I think if you look at all of the different reasons that people have sex, there's there's many, many different reasons. One of those might be money. One of those could be love. One of those could just be comfort or boredom. Um, but I think more important than all those is that, um, maybe not more important, but this, this question always makes me think of... Um, I think it's a quote from Simone de Beauvoir who is saying that sex in marriage and sex in, um, she called it prostitution, is basically the same. And the only difference is the length and terms of the contract. 
And I guess the point she was trying to make is we have this idea that sex within sex work is, um, you know, totally emotionless and immoral and that sex within marriage, especially straight marriage, especially when it's trying to make babies, um, is this perfect kind of sex. And actually, the more you look at all of the different kind of sex that people have, the more that you'll see that, you know, sometimes sex workers have been seeing clients for many, many years and they do have an emotional attachment to them. And often you'll have sex within a marriage that, you know, is is violent or is within an abusive relationship and, and you know, isn't very loving at all. So, yeah, I think the the question is maybe the problem there because it, it kind of makes you see these things in two totally different ways. And actually, it's more complicated than that. OK, so it's a complex um situation and scenario yeah. so to speak that mm -hmm. somebody might be in a in a marriage but might be going through an abusive marriage right whereas on the other hand that is a sex worker who's emotionally attached to probably possibly um a rich man who's always patronizing her possibly or you know possibly it'll be like a friendly relationship It'll be, you know, someone who you've known for a long time and um, you have a good, honest, clear relationship with them. You know what you're getting. They know what they're getting. Whereas in a marriage, for example, you might have lots of assumptions of like, well, if you're married to me, then you must have sex with me because that's what married people do. So, yeah, like you said, it's, it's complicated. Does the high cost of leaving crisis exacerbate uh, more women joining the sex trade or workforce? Yes, we've definitely seen an increase in um, both women joining the sex industry for the first time um, and asking us for advice, which of course we can't give because that's, that's a prosecutable offence. Um, and also women um re-entering the sex industry after um after perhaps a long time of um having not been in the sex industry the cost of living crisis absolutely has meant that a lot more people are um are living in poverty and there's a lot more struggle to to make ends meet which means that a lot more women have been going into sex work um and also a lot of people who are already in sex work are finding that um, because also clients have less money to spend so they it's harder to make the same amount of money and they're working longer hours or offering services that they wouldn't otherwise have offered in order to try and make the same amount of money. Sex work as a career seems to be legitimizing abuse exploitation and trafficking of women. Kindly shed more light on this. Yeah, so this is a point of view which is that all sex work is always and inherently um, degrading and exploitative. And what the, the problem with this view is, it totally ignores sex workers' understanding of their own situation. As a sex worker, we, we know what is abusive and what is not. And to say all sex workers, all, all sex work is abusive, essentially ignores and um, 
shuts down sex workers' experience. Um, in, t in relation to exploitation and trafficking? Yeah, in, thank you. In relation to exploitation and trafficking. So basically what we find is that um, the, the factors which increase exploitation and um, violence is not sex work itself it's the laws around sex work so if you make it harder or impossible for people to migrate legally then they have to use illegal ways to migrate and if you um, make it more difficult for um, sex workers to for example go to the police because you're criminalizing them then sex workers know they're in a more dangerous position because they can't go to the police because the police might arrest them and clients also know this so if someone gets violent or threatens a sex worker they're in a much more dangerous um, situation they're much more likely to be exploited because they can't go to the police when raids and arrests happen um, it's actually a really traumatizing um, experience for sex workers and obviously they get um, racially profiled and um, when they you know when they go through something like a, an, a raid and you know politicians will often say oh well anyone who's been trafficked then we offer them help but generally what we find there's absolutely no help and support and actually um, women just get um, immediately told well you know we're going to deport you um, and we even have a case um, currently where, you know, in general, sex work is not seen as work. Um, but when it suits the government, then they will see sex work as work. So when uh, this woman who's a migrant, they found out she'd been doing sex work, they said, well, that's um, your, your visa says you can't work. And so now that you've um, gone against this, this, part of your visa then we're going to deport you so it's it's very telling I think that um, most of the time sex work is not seen as work except when it can be used to deport someone so sometimes uh, it's been misconstrued I think um, it's it's used in whatever way is most useful for police and politicians so um, the same with the brothel keeping laws you know the law says oh we're, we're prosecuting brothel keepers but in reality it's sex workers who get prosecuted and it's the same with this the law says you know oh we'll look after any anyone who's been trafficked and um we'll support them and um and and in reality it's like oh well you've been working so we're going to deport you so I think it's the difference between reality and um, what the laws say or what, what politicians or the police say. Is sex work legitimising men's entitlement to sex as a commodity? And the next question is, do you think it creates an attitude of disrespect towards women and, object and objectification as well? I'll take the second question first and then I'll ask you to remind me of the first one, because what we found in um, various places that have criminalised sex work is that it's during, it's when sex work gets criminalised that um, 
attacks on sex workers increase because um yeah people feel legitimized they feel able to um threaten sex workers or talk down to them or just um yeah basically see them as um less moral less worthy less human um whereas i think um you know in in new zealand where sex work has been decriminalized um it's you know it's a job like any other new zealand decriminalized sex work in 2003 and Research showed that over 90% of sex workers said they had additional employment, legal, health and safety rights. So 64% found it easier to refuse clients and 70% said they were more likely to report incidents of violence to the police. So when you're in a situation where you know that people see you as, you know, a human just like anyone else, then... I think you're, um, yeah, you're you're safer, and you're you're just seen as part of your community. And actually, it's with de- it's with criminalization that um, uh, you you have sex workers being seen as seen as less than, basically. Um, I just want to check that I definitely answered your second question. Can you say it one more time, and then I can go to the first question. Do you think it creates an attitude of disrespect towards women and object and and objectification as well? Mm, yeah. So in terms of objectification, um, I think some people see it as like you know reducing a woman to a certain amount of money, but you could just as easily see it as reducing a man or a man's desire to that amount of money, and it's in in situations and in countries where sex workers have power and they have you know the freedom to choose what services what clients what what times that um they they're more safe in their job and they have more respect because they you know they're they're in control whereas if you have a situation where you know you're unsafe then yeah you're going to get um you're going to be in a situation where you're you're much more vulnerable to to violence and to people treating you like an object, to people objectifying you, and to people, you know, yeah, looking down on you and, and probably seeing women like that more generally as well. What was the question before that? Yeah, is sex work legitimizing men's entitlement to sex as a commodity? Um I don't think it's legitimizing men's entitlement to anything it's it's if anything it's saying this is a service and this is the price and um that's very much about consent rather than entitlement i think often there's much more entitlement in um in relationships because we can have this idea well you know I'm in love with you therefore you should do this for me or you know we're in a relationship and people in relationships do this and obviously I'm not saying that that's what everyone thinks but I think in sex work it's much more clear-cut you know and um I think that um that differentiation means that 
um, sometimes in sex work is actually it's actually much less objectifying because um, when sex workers have that control over the situation, then it's nothing to do with you know men's entitlement. It's it's you know this is this is the terms and men can agree to it or not. Um, so everything boils down to consent. Yeah, absolutely. But when you're when you're criminalised, sex work is criminalised. It's much harder to um, to be able to make those choices freely because, for example, you know you need to make your month's rent or you need to put food on the table. So the more the more power sex workers have, the more able to bring consent into their work. I mean, it's the same with any job, right? If you know that you have to do this work, do this shift, whatever it is, whether it's, you know, nannying or um, cleaning or teaching, if you if you're struggling to make rent, you have to work longer hours and you're not consenting to do that necessarily, but that's that's what you need to do. And sex work is very similar. You know, it's like it's like any other job in that way that um So you're contracting. There's a contract between two people. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is there a recruitment process and a form of regulation for sex workers? Um, there's no recruitment process because it's um that would that be illegal that would be classed as uh, controlling prostitution um i mean the sex industry is so broad that um you know there's any different part of it might have um different paths that uh, sex workers get into um that part of the sex industry uh in terms of regulation um there are certain things like strip clubs get regu regulated, for example, um, but regulation is um, another approach to sex work. So instead of criminalization or decriminalization, um, some countries have chosen regulation and that often, that creates a two-tier system of sex workers who have the um, money and capacity to be regulated and then a second illegal um, sex industry of sex workers who aren't able to do that. So, so you spoke earlier on about different aspects of, of the sex trade. Can you um, itemize the different aspects? I mean, it's it's pretty big. You'll, you know, a few of them I could um, list would be um, doing cam work, cam girls uh, online, um, street sex work, working in a brothel, um, fetish work is another one, and uh, that could be um, being a fetish model, like take, having photographs taken of your feet, for example. Um, only fans. Exactly, only fans. Um, Porn stars is another form of sex work. Perhaps not all porn stars would consider them sex workers. But the thing about the sex industry is that you can you can draw it very, very broadly or much more narrowly. And that's 
that's why it's also quite difficult to get exact numbers on sex workers in the UK and, and anywhere else because um, yeah, it's it's a very wide industry. Yeah, and then you also have um, you know, escorting um and things like FinDom financial domination, where the service you're providing is um to extract money from from clients so there's there's so many different aspects of sex work would you say uh, a dominatrix is also part of the sex trade yeah i i'd say you definitely can um put doming in the sex industry again perhaps not all dominatrixes would identify as sex workers um but yeah i mean the problem with sex workers where do you draw the line maybe you say only sex workers are people who only do um full service sex work um but there are there are plenty of sex workers who maybe do a bit of stripping and also sometimes full service sex work or you know there's there's so many different um degrees and ways in which work can be sexual or of a sexual nature so generally for, for our group we um we define sex work very broadly so sex trade is being glamorized uh by escort services uh web cam only fans dominatrix uh dom thing uh, or thing dom like you said earlier is that is this true I think there's lots and lots of different ways that the sex industry is portrayed and it used to be portrayed as much more just exploitative and that's it and in the newspapers um, sex workers used to get called vice girls and now thankfully there's a bit more of a broader representation and I think you can see in, in various media that sex work again like like all kinds of work can be you know glamorous and be making a lot of money or it can be um not that at all in the ecp we recognize that a lot of sex workers are also mothers and um we have a short film for the make a women safe campaign which um shows this um i guess i think the media will off will you know will glamorize anything uh, well, not anything, but that's, um, you know, that's how they make their money is by making films that people want to watch and find interesting. Um, but I think that's not necessarily, um, you know, if people are upset about sex work being glamorised, I think it's more important to consider the people, the sex workers who are actually doing that work and think about, how how to best support us to um to have more control in our work rather than to um worry about what the media might be doing because also you know if sex workers have more power we also have more power to tell our stories you know for people to make their own films or make their own documentaries um about their actual experience of sex workers rather than you know Hollywood or whatever making making a film about what they think sex work is like. That leads me to 
the next question, which is when sex workers have mental or psychological uh, issues, do you support them or what do you do in that regards? Yeah, we've supported um, lots of different people, including um, people who are struggling with their mental health. Obviously, we're not experts, but um, we think that uh, sex workers are, we're in the best position to um, change our lives and to know what's best for us. And so if someone comes to us for support, um, we, we're going to put them in touch with um, we'll support them ourselves and also we'll put them in touch with other services that um, might help them. I think um, very often people use mental health as a way to tell sex workers, you don't know what is best for you. You don't know what you're thinking. You don't know. Um, yeah, I know better than you, basically. I think it's it's the real shame that people feel like their opinion of someone else's life is more important than than someone's own experience and their own opinion on their own life. And if people really want to support sex workers, then they need to actually listen to us. And again, I keep talking, I keep going back to decriminalisation. In a decriminalised um, sex industry, sex workers would have better access to mental health services because they wouldn't worry about being stigmatised for being sex workers or being outed as sex workers, essentially having their children taken away by social services for being sex workers. Okay, so there, there has been issues whereby uh, children are taken away from sex workers. Yeah, yeah, and often it's not because they're being a bad mum, it's because they're doing sex work in order to... Um, make money in order to put food on the table and um, we saw um, uh, peaks in calls to our um, hotline just before school term which is obviously when um, you need to buy kids uniform and stuff um, and also just before Christmas so um, yeah this is a really really big worry for sex working mums. Also something to say that um, not only of having their children removed, but also um, the, the fact of being a sex worker is sometimes used by abusive partners to um, be used against women um, in order to either have their children taken away or force um, you know, visitation rights by saying, well, you're a bad mum because you do sex work. So, yeah, this is, this is also a problem that we often we often see in our group. So, uh, I personally uh, see sex work as a form of enslavement, especially uh, when women are trafficked and have to pay them a dance, uh, a huge amount of money for bringing them to the UK or to Europe or the USA. What is your take on, on this particular um, issue? Mm. Yeah, I think that like with any other aspect of trafficking, not just into the sex industry, um, that 
the most important thing is to create a, a, a legal environment where sex workers or um, migrant workers have the power to go to the police and say I've been trafficked if if that's the case and currently we have a system where you know the UK immigration system is incredibly hostile and um, that makes it very difficult for victims of trafficking to come forward and the fact that not just the immigration system but um, yeah for example getting a visa to work in the UK is is very difficult that means that people have to use illegal routes which means that often they they're trafficked or they're they're um counted as trafficked by british immigration and i think that if if we had decriminalization then migrant workers and trafficked workers would have more power to be able to go to the police to refuse um bosses whether that's within the sex industry or outside the sex industry you you said um you said you make resources available for sex workers if they need to, if they want to leave uh, mm. the, the the sex uh if they want to leave the, the sex trade how do you do this or what do you do so we campaign for more resources so um similar ideas to a universal basic income um we and other uh groups at the center campaign for um a carer's income and um that's the idea that you know often women by bringing up the next generation are you know creating the labor force and that that work is work that should be compensated um and also on a more individual level, you know, we might check to see that someone is getting the benefits that they deserve. Um, so that's what I mean when I say helping sex workers or campaigning for sex workers to get the resources they need. Do you also make um, resources available for them to go into a different uh, um, um, trade or work if need be? We don't have the money to. Um, to give to sex workers because we're just we you know we're a small group of uh, volunteers doing this work but we do everything we can whether that's recommending people to hardship funds or um you know on programs for um yeah for pip for example if people um are entitled to personal independence payments so yeah, we'll we'll try and get them access to resources in in various ways. What would you say in relation to the title I'm giving to this episode or show? If you can pay for it, you can rate for it. I would say that that sounds like an excuse and a justification for rape. I would say that it sounds like a similar thing to if I married you then I can have sex with you or if I married you then I can rape you you know or um well if you're wearing those clothes then you must be up for sex or if I if you're wearing those clothes then it's not rape because you wanted it all of those things including the one you just said is a justification for rape which doesn't actually 
um, acknowledge a woman's consent or anyone's consent. It doesn't acknowledge that when you're a sex worker, when you're married, when you're um, in a club at night, in order for sex to be sex, it has to be consensual. And if it's not consensual, for example, if you're a sex worker and you agree on certain terms, for example, maybe I'm going to have sex with you and you have to wear a condom. If you go outside those terms, if you break those terms, and if you, for example, if you take the condom off, then it is rape. And a sex worker consents to those specific terms for that amount of money. Um, and that's that's consensual. And if, just like in any other um, scenario, for example, with a married couple, if if someone if there isn't consent there, it doesn't matter if you're a sex worker, if you're a married woman, if you're someone else entirely, it's it's consent that is is necessary there. Yeah. For it to be legal, there should be um consent. Mm. If there is no the consent, then it's an offense which is punishable by law. It's rape or assault or whatever uh, people will term it. Thank yeah. You. Thank you so much for you uh, um, for coming um, to the show. Uh, what would be your parting words, especially for women who are in the sex trade and are being abused? I would say that if you're in the sex industry and you're being abused, you can come to the, you can call the ECP or email the ECP. Um, and we are unfortunately working in a very hostile climate where um, politicians make laws about us that actually make it much harder to stay safe as a sex worker. I really hope that at some point politicians listen to what sex workers are saying as they did in New Zealand and make laws in collaboration with us rather than making laws about us which actually make our, our lives much harder. Um, but yeah, for any individuals, then they can get in touch with the ECP. So can you give us your social media handles and your email address, if possible, for the ECP? Yeah, yeah so um, our email is ecp at prostitutescollective.net. And I'm just going to double check um, to make sure I get all of our social media handles right um so i mean you can also google us and you'll find us there the twitter is at prostitutes call thank you so much b piper for coming on the show thank you, you so much you good grilling <laughs> sorry listeners you've heard what you said this has been grace Opa for raza rising above shadows of abuse. See you on our next show and be safe and be positive. Bye for now. You can leave your comments on our social media handles or our email address risingaboutshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. Take care.